You know, it can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. Invisible struggles like stress and burnout, caregiving for a loved one, or being misunderstood. But insight, awareness, and empathy will help us better see the issues they're dealing with. And that can make us and our companies healthier, too. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. The less your business spends, the more margin you keep. But today, everything costs more. So smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one proven platform, helping you reduce IT costs, maintenance costs, and manual errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move to NetSuite. Now through April 15th, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program. Head to NetSuite.com slash earnings right now. NetSuite.com slash earnings. Live from our nation's capital. This budget thing is going to do nothing. Space Force, I still think it's interesting. President Trump not playing his cards yet. Headlines, policy, and politics colliding. Sound on with Kevin Cirilli. The insiders, the influencers, the insights. I would rather see a congressional solution. It's part of my DNA. The Senate map in 2020 looks a lot different than it looked in 2018. You really have a divide within Team Trump. The president has to do exactly what people sent him here to do, which is to get it done. This is Sound On with Kevin Cirilli on Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD2 Baltimore. So get this. President Trump says that he's going to meet with Chinese President Xi Jinping. This, as the continued rift over tariff continues to escalate. Countdowns on to the G20 summit when President Trump and President Xi Jinping will meet and come face to face. This is going to be a crucial, crucial, crucial data point in the ongoing U.S.-China trade talks. We'll bring you the latest on how that is developing. Plus, Secretary of State Mike Pompeo, he's over in Russia. He's meeting with Russian officials. What's he telling Vladimir Putin? What's he telling Sergei Lavrov? We have an all-star panel uh, to break all of this down. Kevin Walling, Democratic strategist at HG Creative Media. Sari Kim, Republican strategist, former senior advisor in the Trump administration and former health care counsel on the House Oversight and Government Reform Committee. Plus, we're breaking down the, the, the stock market, how the street's reacting to the tariffs. Cameron Kreisi is Bloomberg Markets live blogger. He's going to join us at the top of the show. And Maddie Dupler, our in-house economist, essentially, senior fellow at the National Taxpayers Union and former coalition's director for the House Republican uh, Conference. Wild day on Wall Street, in particular, as President Donald Trump says that he's going to meet with President Xi Jinping of China at the G20. Mark your calendars. It is going to be an absolutely remarkable Crucial, crucial meeting, June 28th to June 29th in Japan. Joining me on the line, a Bloomberg Markets Live blogger, Cameron Christ. Cameron, how did the street react to all of the back and forth over the weekend with President Trump and President Xi? Well, clearly not very well. Um, The day started with Mr. Trump essentially threatening China uh, and warning them not to retaliate uh, on the tariffs that he had imposed last Friday, and about 90 minutes later, the Chinese announced that they were indeed uh, imposing a fresh set of measures that should take pl- um, that should hit about I think June 1st on about 60 billion dollars worth of U.S. goods. So, uh, you know, what do we take from this? Uh, it's an escalation, and escalation from both sides 
certainly implies that there's relatively little chance of a near-term resolution. Cameron Kreiss, he is uh, joining us on the telephone line uh, from New York City. He is Bloomberg Markets live blogger. The S&P 500 index's biggest one-day drop, the biggest one-day drop since January 3rd. It was also pretty broad, with more than 90% of members falling amid the escalating uh, U.S.-China trade tensions. But look, I'm an optimist, Cameron. I'm an optimist, okay, because there are some uh, sectors that actually – Turns out had a good day. Hey, you know, don't you love that whenever there's a bad day, there's like a bright spot? U.S. utilities. Tell us about the utilities. Well, they went up. Um, Why? The the sector, well, it's a classic uh, safe haven um, sector. Uh, In many ways, they resemble bonds. And obviously, bonds uh, also had a very good day today. Uh, On the presumption that this sort of volatility perhaps makes it a little more likely that the Federal Reserve will... Uh, cut rates at some point in the not-too-distant future. Um, So from that perspective, yes, it's nice that if you were nimble enough, you could have hidden out somewhere and made uh, a bit of money. Uh, Obviously, it would be nice to know beforehand (laughs) that that's going to work um, rather than just picking it out – picking out afterwards. Not that I'm not not having a go, by the way. But, uh, uh, you know, the real risk, I think, is that you, you won't get a final capitulation until people sell everything. Um, and that was what we saw at various points of last year. You didn't really get a bottom until everything went down. And, the, and if you will, the baby was thrown out with the bathwater. So clearly that wasn't the case today. Um, so while it is true that if you were uh, perspicacious enough, to, to get into utilities uh, before the open, you did well. Um, I guess you could argue that there's still uh, a shoe to drop in that regard. Cameron Christ joining us on the telephone line. He follows all things markets uh, for Bloomberg Markets. Uh, it's been a remarkable day in on Wall Street, uh, given the escalating trade tensions between the U.S. Uh, and China. I interviewed Senator Angus King, an independent from Maine earlier today. He was telling me about how the lobster farmers up in Maine, I mean, they're absolutely livid at the at the prospects of tariffs and how the tariffs have impacted uh, even the lobster market uh, to get a cup of chowder up there in New England. But Cameron, uh, it, it, what is this doing to the optimism or the lack of optimism or anything at all from a trader's perspective about forecasting into, I don't know, a recession? Or is this just so small and we're talking about such a fraction of a fraction of GDP on the U.S.-China trade front that no one's really using the R word uh, in terms of how this might forecast in. Well, I mean, obviously it's premature to, uh, to talk about recession. But I think the lesson that we need to draw from last year is that these things can have an impact. Certainly uh, as trade tensions were escalating in the fourth quarter of last year, we saw quite a precipitous decline in business confidence, which then fed through into financial market weakness, which then rebounded back into into lower business confidence. And it was really only the beginning of this year when, yes, the Fed sort of capitulated on its tightening cycle, but also there was a rapprochement between the U.S. and China on the trade front that we saw um, business confidence stabilize. So I think one of the key things for anybody playing the markets over the next two to six weeks is going to be to follow the economic numbers very closely, particularly the surveys, which tend to capture swings in sentiment before the official activity data. So things like consumer confidence, 
and in particular business confidence measures, uh, are going to be very, very important to gauge whether this is going to have yet another deleterious impact on the economy. And just quickly before I let you go, by the way, you're a Duke guy. I don't really, you know, I'm not really a Duke basketball fan, but, you know, we like we like uh, Cameron Christ and appreciate him checking in and breaking down the markets for us. Bloomberg Markets Live blogger joining us on the line, Cameron Christ. So I, a lot of the, the notes that I read from Eurasia Group, from Signum, from Goldman, uh, and J.P. Morgan and, and whatnot, I mean, they've really kind of lowered their expectations in the short term of President Trump getting to some t- type of short-term agreement with the Chinese. Where are you in that? How would you price in or factor in your expectations of there being a deal in the short term? And I'll define short term by the end of August. Well, uh, let me preface my comments by saying when I matriculated at Duke University, they'd never won anything in (laughs) basketball. Uh, I'm old enough that there were zero national championships. And I'm still bummed about my Sixers last night losing that heartbreaking loss to Toronto. Don't even get me started why Canadians are allowed in the NBA. Go ahead. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so listen, I I think it's very, very difficult to handicap with um, much degree of confidence given the, shall we say, the volatile nature of some of the personalities involved. Um, I, I think, I think though, that I, the, and a useful analogy is, the, is actually the Brexit um, situation over in Europe, where I think there was a, a general sense that um, a deal would, would, come, would come together and get passed simply because it seemed like the right thing to do for everybody. Uh, but... The reality is that the nuts and bolts of an agreement, there were in many ways mutually exclusive um, uh, utilities on either side. And I think that's the case between the United States and and China. So we also have to acknowledge the fact that uh, Mr. Trump tends to look at markets as a sort of a real-time barometer of his success uh, or a a referendum on on his policies. So in, in a sense, you almost need equity markets to go down more and harder uh, before the White House right. feels incentivized to make um, to make a concession. So to be honest with right. you, at this point, I kind of view it as a coin flip. And I think we've now, after today, are sort of pricing it as a coin flip. Um, right. You know, we, we don't know exactly how far the market would go down if this thing gets properly ugly, but 10% seems a reasonable proposition. We're now down 5% from the high, so it's kind of that's 50-50. All right, Cameron Christ, appreciate your time very much. I know you got to get back to a Bloomberg terminal to watch the remarkable, remarkable day uh, on Wall Street as, again, the S&P 500 dropping the most in four months, the Dow Jones Industrial Average slumping more than 600 points, and the NASDAQ seeing the biggest decline of the year uh, after China China targeted some of the nation's biggest exporters. We're going to crunch the numbers even more on some of the uh, more um, uh, robust stocks, including Boeing and Caterpillar, as well as Apple, all of which were down today. That's Cameron Kreis. He is Bloomberg Markets Live blogger. I'm Kevin Cirilli, Chief Washington Correspondent for Bloomberg Television and Bloomberg Radio. Much more on the political fallout on the escalating U.S.-China trade tensions with an all-star panel coming up next and you can uh, download the sound on podcast on apple itunes at bloomberg.com or by downloading the bloomberg business app check us out on radio.com iHeartRadio, and spotify i'm kevin cerilli hope you had a great mother's day you're listening to bloomberg 99.1 
You're listening to Sound On with Kevin Cirilli on Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD2 Baltimore. Maybe something will happen. We're going to be meeting, as you know, at the G20 in Japan. And that'll be, I think, probably a very fruitful meeting. Fruitful meeting, President Trump describing the showdown that's about to happen on June 28th and June 29th in Osaka, Japan, at the G20 summit. The showdown being between President Xi Jinping of China and President Donald Trump. The trade talks, I don't want to use the word sour because... The president, as well as China, said that they were productive, but the countdown's on. Uh, The president has said China has about one month before the prospect of raising even more tariffs. Wall Street, Wall Street, not liking the news. The S&P 500 dropping the most in four months. The Dow Jones industrial average slumping more than 600 points. And the Nasdaq composite seeing the biggest decline of the year. With me in studio, an all-star panel to break down the politics, the policy, and the reaction from Wall Street. Maddie Dupler, senior fellow at the National Taxpayers Union, former coalitions director to the House Republican Conference. Kevin Walling, Democratic strategist. Sari Kim, Republican strategist. Maddie, I want to get to you. Earlier we heard from Cameron Christ. He is Bloomberg Markets live blogger. He was on the terminal all day And he's essentially predicting that the stock market could go down about 10% when all of this gets said and done. What do you make of it? Yeah, so you touched on this with Cameron, but I want to circle back to it. The markets had priced in a deal with China, not just because it was a deal with China. They are constantly seeking certainty, particularly in this last year, when the weight of tariffs and the threat of tariffs has hung heavy over a lot of businesses in the United States. So right now, you heard from Goldman earlier in the week that this escalation of tariffs could potentially shave off 0.4% of GDP. Right now, the president clearly feels like he is in a strong negotiating position because the United States economy is so strong. But this is where all of that red is coming from the market today. It is because investors are looking at a breakdown in U.S.-China negotiations and saying, what does this do for global growth? It is not just U.S. and China that will be impacted by a long, drawn-out trade uh, negotiation and trade fight. It is the rest of the world that is watching to see if this can get resolved quickly because otherwise, those strong growth numbers coming in the United States, even out of China and the Eurozone, could falter as a result. All right. All right. So so yesterday, uh, you got Kudlow, Larry Kudlow, the president's chief economic advisor. He's on Fox News Sunday with Chris Wallace. And this is a remarkable interview for, for many different reasons, because Chris was pushing Kudlow on the notion of just how much of an economic impact this is going to have. Folks all across the country are beginning beginning to see what the business community has seen for the past several months as these tariffs have gone into effect. Now it's trickling down to consumers. I don't like to use the word trickling down, by the way. I think it's a loaded word, especially in this climate. So now I will just say consumers are beginning to see the impacts of this in the short term. Take a listen to what Larry Kudlow said on Fox News Sunday. Here he is. In my judgment, the economic consequences are so small, but the possible improvement in trade and exports and open markets for the United States, this is worthwhile doing. All right, Sari Kim, Republican strategist, you worked for the administration. i got to be honest, I've interviewed Larry several, several times. But to say the economic consequences are so small to folks 
I, I don't know. I mean, I mean, when you see the price of clothes going up, when you see uh, various uh, purchases that, that, that Americans have to make, to say that they're small, I, I don't know. If maybe he didn't mean to say that. No, I think there's a larger economic picture that's not being discussed today, and that specifically is that when the second tranche of um, 25% went into effect, unemployment was at the lowest that it has been in 50 years at 3.9%. And today's market ramifications, I wish I were rich so I could buy the stocks that these short-sighted investors are dumping. Because when you look at what President Trump has done for the economy since his taxes has passed in 2017, I literally went back day by day every Every month since December of 2017, and what I found was that the Dow was up on average 4.77%. The S&P was up an average of 7.43%, and the NASDAQ composite was up an average of 14.43%. So the market is not doing badly. It's just short-sighted people don't understand that the United States is in a position of strength so when it comes to China. So you're saying, hey, everybody, take a deep breath. That's right. It's America. Marathon, not a sprint. That's right. Don't, you you got to see the forest from the trees. Breathe. Keep it simple. Yes. That's what you're saying. All right, Kevin Walling, I take it as a Democratic strategist, you're saying, Sari, I totally disagree. Yeah, I mean, the marathon argument ends in a year and a half uh, come election day, right? So I'm not thinking about the folks that are able to buy stocks. I'm thinking about the dairy farmers in Wisconsin, the manufacturers in Ohio and Pennsylvania and Michigan, all states that went for President Trump that are actually feeling the the heat right now. And the fact that Larry Kudlow had to admit on Chris Wallace's program just on Sunday, just yesterday, that the trade war has both hurt job growth in this country and hurt our gross domestic product to the tune of at least $40 billion was extraordinary. And you're seeing the president react to that in real time on Twitter, actually calibrating now the way that he talks about tariffs. That's the first time I've seen an aide contradict the president and the president respond by contradicting, not contradicting the aide. You know how many times he's tweeted about trade in the past 24 hours? Does anyone know this? 127. No, 30. I mean, I thought 30 was a lot. I didn't know. You were looking right at me, Kev. Are you including the retweets? For the record, for the the record, it was about about 30 tweets. All right, coming up, I I do want to note, if you're in your car on your way home from work and you're trying to figure out, well, what does this mean for me? What does it mean for my retirement savings accounts, for example, and the investments that are there? Boeing and Caterpillar fell nearly 5% today. Apple Inc. lost 5.8%. And uh, the new penalty is also taking aim at American farmers driving down soybean and cotton prices. The dollar rallied, and the 10-year Treasury yield fell to the lowest level since late March. Coming up, much more with the All-Star panel. Plus, we talk about how the politics of this are beginning to reverberate into the halls of Congress. I'm Kevin Cirilli, Chief Washington Correspondent for Bloomberg Television and Bloomberg Radio. You're listening to Bloomberg 99.1. Success is more than a destination. It's a path you take one step at a time. It's dedication. It's fortitude. And it's the work, passion, and grit inside of us that comes before all recognition. That's what Stiefel has been doing for over 130 years. And it's why Stiefel is one of the fastest-growing wealth management firms in the country. And Stiefel goes beyond traditional wealth management to offer you a full suite of banking services, direct access to one of the industry's largest equity research franchises, and a leading middle market investment bank. Quietly, yet strategically, Stiefel has built a company and culture unlike any firm on Wall Street. 
Because success is the drive it takes to keep pushing. It's the passion to keep investing. It's the best of each of us made better by the best in all of us. And that is where success meets success. Find a financial advisor at Stiefel.com. That's S-T-I-F-E-L.com. Stiefel, Nicholas & Company, Incorporated. Member SIPC and NYSE. This is Sound On with Kevin Cirilli on Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD2 Baltimore. We don't have to pay any tariffs if you're a manufacturer in this country. You pay nothing. Open your division or open up your product. Have it made in this country as opposed to made in China. That was President Trump uh, speaking earlier from the Oval Office on Monday with some advice to business owners. This says the business community is increasingly putting pressure on the White House, on members of Congress, to end those tariffs. The eco data is on the president's side, but not when it comes to tariffs. Wall Street dropping, the S&P 500 rather, dropping the most in four months. The Dow Jones Industrial Average slumping more than 600 points today. And the NASDAQ composite seeing the biggest decline of the year. China fought back. China fought back. They're targeting some of the nation's biggest exporters. Maddie Dupler is a senior fellow at the National Taxpayers Union, former coalitions director for the House Republican Conference. Kevin Walling, Democratic strategist at HG Creative Media. They make attack ads. Sari Kim is a Republican strategist. She used to be a senior advisor in the Trump administration. All right, Kev, you know, we talked about the streets reaction. We talked about how a lot of the, the stocks that are down today uh, you know, might impact folks' retirements, savings in the short term. Sari Kim, our Republican strategist, she's saying, hey, take a deep breath. You know, they, when they get a deal, she's predicting a rebound. But from your perspective, from your vantage point in terms of the political ramifications of this, there really is no other way to say it. But President Trump has completely remade the Republican Party on the issue of trade. Where do the Democrats go from here? Yeah, I mean, I think a president's job, whether it be a Democrat or Republican, is to do no harm when it comes to national security, economic security, what have you. And what this president has done in the two years that he's taken office is, is taken on these fights that are that are now hurting uh, uh, middle class voters, lower class voters, farmers uh, in in the industrial Midwest. Uh, that we're seeing these now tangible efforts uh, having an effect on, on these folks' livelihoods that are separate from Washington, D.C., that are separate from Wall Street, that are really feeling this pain. And I think that is really going to come to haunt him over these next couple months and into next year as we gear up for this election. I mean, there's a presupposition on Kevin's part about what it actually means to Got have Got to specify harm. which Kev. Oh, that would be Mr. Walling. <laughs> <laughs> um, I w- and, you know, the real, the real paucity of the Democratic Party right now when it comes to trade and specifically as it relates to China, I mean, I've been studying the issue of China for a very long time. And right now, China in, is in the midst of a strong economic downturn. Over the last 30 years, they've been growing at 6.8% and they are diminishing. It. And I know you, Mr. Cirilli, have been talking about their one road policy. They have tied up $7 trillion worth of debt commitments. China is struggling. And all they can do to the United States right now is impose tariffs on $110 billion. We have three tranches of a trillion dollars worth of products that we can go after China. What we are doing now here in the United States is negotiating at a position of strength. Here is what President Trump has done to Kevin 
Kevin's point earlier. He has changed the orthodoxy on trade in the Republican Party, but what that has done is has created a vacuum where Democrats no longer have to have a position on trade, right? I mean, we're going into USMCA right now. Democrats are have not established a position on the new NAFTA negotiations, and we're starting to see this a little bit in uh, the presidential, but even, you know, I think it, Kamala Harris was on, I think, Tapper's show uh, earlier this week, and she was asked about, would you have uh, agreed to the first NAFTA? We need to hear from Democrats now about what their position is on trade, if it's not what the president is doing. Sarah Kim is making the point that the United States uh, economy is strong, and President Trump is uh, making this move because he feels it is the right policy at the right time. Democrats have the challenge of responding to that by saying what they would do differently. All right, so this is what I don't understand, Kevin Walling, Democratic strategist, to Maddie Duppler's point, which is you've got the Senate Minority Leader, Chuck Schumer, Democrat from New York. He's saying, stay, she tweeted it out the other day. I don't know if you guys saw. Did you see this? Uh-huh. Senate Minority Leader, Chuck Schumer, Democrat from New York. He tweets this out. He says, President Trump, stay strong on China. We are with you on China. I, I, I almost dropped the phone I as, know. I, as I'm scrolling through Wild. the tweets. What does he mean by that? Is it on the issues of intellectual and intellectual property? Is it on the issue of cybersecurity, where there is in, there is a nonpartisan consensus on that front? Sure. And I'm looking at this through the 2020 lens, Kevo, and I gotta say, this looks like there's a divide, and not just the Republican Party on trade, Democrats as well. Yeah, you've got the intellectual property issue, you've got the currency manipulation issue, uh, and, and I think you know you're, you're you know Chuck Schumer represents New York, right, and Wall Street, right. So he wants a strong president coming out of the gate on these issues, and where we can meet the president halfway on this, we will. But again, this president continually misstates economic indicators, right? The tweets are not just full of uh, grammatical errors. I don't think coming into this weekend with Larry Kudlow that he actually understands tariff policy, right? When his own aide is contradicting him on this issue, the president does not have a fundamental uh, understanding of currency pop- policy in this country or tariff policy, and we're seeing that come to fruition. All right, Sari, we we, coming up, we're going to talk more. I, I see Sari, like, grabbing the microphone, but, like, <laughs> but no, I, I'm I just, take like, it you trying, disagree. No, I'm just trying not to laugh right, because well, the Democratic Party supports a chair of judiciary right. who thinks an island can tip over. All right, all right. Let's <laughs> let's just leave it there. Coming up, much more on trade policy. Plus, you got to hear this interview. I did it with Senator Angus King. He's an independent from Maine. He's also a member of Senate Intel. He's talking to us about how trade is impacting his backyard. Lobsters. Lobsters. I'm telling you, it's impacting everything. Panel stays. I'm Kevin Cirilli, Chief Washington Correspondent for Bloomberg Television and Bloomberg Radio. Download the Sound On podcast on Apple iTunes at Bloomberg.com or by downloading the Bloomberg Business app. You can also find us on Radio.com, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. Happy belated Mother's Day. You're listening to Bloomberg 99.1. This is Sound On with Kevin Cirilli on Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD2 Baltimore. We're going to take the highest year, the biggest purchase that China has ever made with our farmers, which is about $15 billion, and do something reciprocal to our farmers so our farmers can do well. That was President Trump speaking earlier today about the impact And quite frankly, the anxiety that farmers are having, the agricultural sector is having as a result of the Chinese responding to the back and forth with the U.S. by targeting essentially farmers. Now, remember, it was just last summer or a couple of months ago, more last year, when the administration uh, gave 
a, a package to farmers following the the targeted tariffs that they had received from China. So this would be more. We previewed that last week with Jason Miller, by the way. And that is in line with a lot of the reporting that we're hearing, which is that the farmers might receive some type of assistance uh, if they continue to be impacted by China. Kevin Walling is a Democratic strategist. He's here with us for the hour. Uh, Sari Kim is a Republican strategist, former senior advisor in the Trump administration. And Maddie Dupler is a senior fellow at the National Taxpayers and a Union and former coalitions director for the House Republican Conference. And, uh, Sari, I was really struck by this notion of the farmers getting uh, more assistance. I'm not sure they want more assistance. I think they want more certainty. I think we all want certainty, but at the end of the day, if the main complaint is they are not able to sell certain products, then the United States government has consistently, I think since prior to the Civil War, bought back products from farmers and then resold them internally or repackaged them and sold them to other countries. Maddie? And Sarah, you mentioned earlier that the United States is in a position of strength because we have more things that we can put tariffs on when it comes to China because we certainly don't uh, export as many things to them as they export to us. This is another example of why farmers want certainty. It's because they want access to those markets. China is growing at an incredible rate population-wise, and one of their main needs are energy and ag. That is why United States businesses want to be there, but that's why farmers want to be there. So simply putting a Band-Aid on on economic policy that diminishes the opportunity for selling goods for United States producers is a short-term fix for a long-term problem. So get this. Just the other week, I was down the wharf. I actually bumped into Kevin Walling and Sarah Kim down there. And you you know that market down by the wharf? You see, it's like a fisherman's market almost. The fish market. The fish market. <laughs> I think it might even well, be called that. Yeah, I think so. Okay. I'm from Delco, so I was like, wow. Okay, and by the way, speaking of fish, Bloomberg has a lot. Every office you visit of Bloomberg, there are, there are fish, and they are exquisite. But so I'm, I'm down the fish market. I didn't know. I just called it the wharf. I didn't know it had like a name. And you can get really anything down there. And I'm like, wow, these lobster prices kind of going up a little bit. Kind of going up a little bit. And the nerd in me is like, U.S. China trade policy. So earlier today, I interviewed for Bloomberg Television Senator Angus King. He's an independent representing the great state of Maine. They know a thing or two about lobsters. And we were talking about cyber security, which is a nonpartisan issue on these U.S.-China trade talks. And the Democrats, independents, they want to see – they agree with with uh, Republicans on this. They want to be tough on China as well as other nations on the issue of cyber and to protect U.S. businesses as well. But I said, Senator, how is this U.S.-China trade spat feud war impacting folks back in your state? Take, in the, take a listen to what he told me. The retaliation is affecting all kinds of sectors. I'll give you one example. Yes. Lobsters from Maine. Exporting lobsters from Maine to China, which is a major one of our markets we've worked for years to develop, is now virtually dead because of the retaliatory tariffs of the Chinese. Wow. Virtually dead. Kevin Walling, those lobster prices. Yeah, I wonder how that's going to play well with Susan Collins' re-election in two years representing Maine. Her, you know, her colleague, of course, Senator King, that just point. spoke out. Sari, 
I mean, that is, a, that is a great point. I mean, seriously, it puts a Republican on back footing in a tough re-election fight. I mean, I'm not so concerned. China has 1.38 billion people that they need to feed. The last major famine over the course of 50 years was in China, where 40 million people died. They're going to need our food. <laughs> they're going to need our food, but they're finding it from other places as well. And exactly. That is, that, I mean, but that is now the stated goal of the trade war. The president said it himself today. He said, if you are a manufacturer in this country and you are buying something from China, you should be buying it from a U.S. manufacturer or you should be buying it from somewhere else in the world that doesn't have tariffs on it. This is the stated goal. He wants to disrupt those sorts of supply chains, both in manufacturing and agriculture. But Kevin, the political impact back here is bad for both Republicans, but also Democrats, because they need to articulate how they would do things differently. I I agree with you, Maddie. We we need to point out a vision, right, to win the future in 2020, right? Our candidates can't just be anti-Trump and anti-these policies. We need to come forward with an economic plan that makes sense for these folks that feel like they're being left behind, right? Uh, but right now, the president is our chief economic and, and international chief, right? Negotiator. There's a Republican-run Senate that would have to pass any new treaty, whether it be a bilateral agreement or something like the the situation going on with Canada and Mexico, where we still don't have resolution. So right now, uh, they are in the driver's seat. And we do have to provide a vision. And we do have to stand up for those p- folks that are being left behind. But right now, the Republicans were reelected to the Senate. They run that that one house of government. And the president is leading economic policy on the, on the, national, on the international stage. But here's where this, I think, is going to come to a head. The White House has said routinely that USMCA, they are taking their cues from Nancy Pelosi and whether or not House Democrats can come up with a way to move forward there. That is an opportunity and a need for Democrats to articulate a trade vision, uh, which may come in steep contrast with what's happening U.S.-China, U.S.-Europe, and what the administration is trying to do with some of those relationships. I think that'll be very interesting to watch. I could talk trade all day, but I do want to just touch on some other headlines quickly. Uh, and I'm going to go around the panel, and we got to keep it very tight, okay, like 20 seconds each because we're running out of time. Uh, uh, Bernie Sanders, Kev, did you see this? He's uh, aligning with uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. The freshman AOC uh, on the issue of climate change. So he's really trying to inherit the issue of climate change as Joe Biden surging in the polls. Good move, smart move for for Sanders. Yeah, I think it's a smart move. You you see in, in uh, polling among Democratic likely primary voters that a- actually climate change and the environment are one and two with health care uh, in a primary. So I think that's that sound policy. You see the success that Jay Ansley is having out of the gate, former governor of Washington or current governor of Washington, that's made that the central piece of his campaign. All right, Sarah Kim. Uh, meanwhile, on the foreign policy front, President Trump also said today uh, at the White House that. Uh, He's warning Iran against a military uh, provocation and said that the country will, quote, unquote, suffer greatly if any hostilities break out with the U.S. Is that smart heading into a reelection? Is there really an appetite for for a, a U.S. conflict with Iran? It's a difference between conflict and, again, the theme of strength. President Trump is laying down a red line, and unlike previous presidents, he's going to implement it. All right. And what's the biggest thing on your radar? Should President <laughs> Trump, should Maddie Duppler, should President Trump meet with President Xi Jinping at the G20 if there's not going to be a, a deal? I think President Trump will meet with President Xi because that will give the markets a lot of certainty, regardless of whether or not negotiations have rendered any sort of deal uh, in the near term. That will certainly be a boost. And we know that the president likes to watch the markets. You know, that was good. 
That was a good talk, everybody. You know what would have made it better if we were down the wharf? If we were down the wharf at the fish market and having some lobster. Yes. You know, and it was kind of cold today, so I feel like even some lobster chowder would have been good. My thanks to Maddie Duppler, senior fellow at the National Taxpayers Union, uh, as well as former coalition's director for the House Republican Conference, Kevin Walling, a Democratic strategist at HG, HG Creative Media, Sari Kim, Republican strategist and former senior advisor in the Trump administration. She's also the former health care counsel on the House Oversight and Government Reform Committee. Truly three sound on all stars. You can download the sound on podcast on Apple iTunes at Bloomberg.com or by downloading the Bloomberg business app. You can also find us on Radio.com, iHeartRadio and Spotify. I'm Kevin Cirilli. You're listening to Bloomberg 99.1. What could you do if your data was working for you and not against you? With Bloomberg delivering enterprise data directly to your systems, you get easy access to the details you want, optimized for higher level analysis, and financial data experts committed to helping you maximize your every move. Our data is made for more, so you can show the world what you're made of. Visit Bloomberg.com enterprise data to learn more.